Hello, and welcome to the Move Better at Home podcast, where I, Laura Turner, a physical therapist and strength coach, talk about home fitness solutions to help you move easier, improve your fitness, and enhance how you move throughout your entire life. Now let's get on to the show. Hi. In this episode of the Move Better at Home podcast, I start to interview other therapists and trainers and uh, fitness professionals to provide you with more information about overall strength and conditioning and fitness. Um, And this interview, we talk with Mason West, who is from Team Rehab in Barrington, Illinois. He's got this incredible Instagram channel um, that he's been building throughout COVID, and uh, I think it's excellent, and I would highly recommend going to follow him. I'll absolutely leave a uh, link in the show notes for you to be able to go follow. Um, Mason and I talk about all things strength and conditioning, and he really has some good pointers and some easy tips for things to be able to do at home. This is a little bit longer of a podcast, uh, but I really hope you enjoy, and um, if you are if you enjoy it and like it, please leave me a review. If you uh, have friends that might be benef- that might benefit from learning more about the um, about fitness at home, please also encourage this and share. And um, I'm happy to have any feedback to help make this better and help more people improve their fitness at home and throughout life. If you're interested, I also have a Facebook group called LT's Unique Movement Beauties that we talk about all kinds of things related to movement. And um, so uh, all you have to do is find that and I'll leave a link below, LT's Unique Movement Beauties. And uh, let's keep the discussion going. All right, I hope you enjoy and let's get on with the show. Good morning. Uh, welcome back to the, uh, to the podcast and uh, Move Better at Home podcast. And today my guest is Dr. Mason West. Um, from Illinois. Uh, I'm glad to have you back and we're going to talk kind of all things strength and conditioning and um, different things maybe. Hopefully you can give a tip at the end of something easy to, for people to do at home also. Um, so Mason, tell me a little bit just first, you know, uh, I know you work in Barrington, uh, but tell me about your what, you're, what you do right now and uh, where you're at. Uh, yeah. So I work currently at Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois, as you said. Um, it's an interesting company where, you know, there's a couple of them starting to grow a bit more. Uh, I think there's only about 12 in Illinois, but each one is individually owned and operated. So any one you go into is going to be very different. So maybe you go to one that's more, you know, for a work injury. Maybe this one's going to be more about at golf. Uh, the one I work at specifically, the clinic director, he's more of a golf guy. And I see a little bit of everybody, but it's mainly chronic pain and a lot of the athletic population. Cool. Do you have any, like, uh, I don't want to say specific age range, but um, in the athletic population specifically, do you, um, you know, do you tend to do youth or? um... Yeah, it's a little bit of everybody. So starting all the way, the youngest I've seen is a (laughs) two-year-old. And then sometimes that's a little more intense, obviously. But, and then that'll go all the way up through, you know, someone who just, who's, 60 years old and still wants to run a marathon. Uh, I would say the bulk range though is going to be probably your high school or college age and then up to like 40. So it's still a decent range. Um, when it comes to youth sports, while, you know, I, I always tell parents who has a kid that comes in, it's like, oh, my kid's got a weird waddle to when they're walking. And it's like, okay, well, let's 
just make sure that they're strong and see where they go with that because most of the time kids are still developing. So uh, I try to make it make parents know like, okay, don't worry too much. <laughs> just yes. let them develop, let them grow. Yeah, I know that that's a that's a there's a it's a hard, it's a fine line. Like I think do think parents get really anxious about it, rightly so, you know, because you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is something wrong and, or no, they just have to grow and develop. And, um, do you, uh, what did I, what was I going with that? Um, what type of athletic activities do you tend to work with? Like sports, what sports do you, like, are they, do you have a, like a predominant or kind right. of across the board? So I would say it, it's actually really interesting because it does depend also on like gender, for example. So probably for guys, it tends mostly to be basketball, football, wrestling, baseball would probably be the largest populations. Um, and then when it comes to more of the females, it's a lot of runners, gymnasts, and um, basketball tends to, I would say, be the large populations right. there. Yeah. Um, just because of how, you know, where you tend to get hurt, for example, you know, a lot of people still have this the main thought process being you go to physical therapy when you're hurt and then everyone's definition of hurt's different right so yeah. is is just a little knee pain or is it when you have an acl tear uh so i'm starting to push more for okay come in early you may think you're fine hey let's do some of these tests and if you're fine great go on to your season if not you know there's some stuff that we can still work with you a little bit more on the performance i guess you could say side or preventative side yeah um, but yeah so especially when you then when you look at the females gymnasts heavily and then runners just because you get that genu valgus the knee collapses in and it's just the form's super wonky so those are probably the dominant uh, sports yeah we, i uh i would say we probably tend to see the same uh a lot of soccer players out here also um and then like for adults i think runners are the runners maybe skiers um but like cross the border or across the you know year round it tends to be a lot of runners as far as the adult population um i think a couple of basketball players i've seen also like just weekend warrior stuff and um so uh, i want to kind of dive into that and like what you do for uh strength and conditioning wise with that but um let's do that (laughs) i just lost where i the uh um so on on a like, do you find, I, I find a lot that the, um, like, especially runners are like, oh, you know, I don't do any leg strengthening and, um, you know, I just run. That's my, my exercise. Right. Do you find the same thing? And, and what do you, how do you, how do you, so I think it's important to do leg strengthening, whether you're whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. the intensity of it and the different exercises might, you know, might vary, but, um, but sometimes I have a hard time convincing people that, you know, no, you need to, this will actually help your running. <laughs> Um, so what do you, how do you, so I always, especially let's say you talk about a runner, I always say running is your sport, right? And if you're going to look at, let's just say a professional athlete of any kind that you don't just see them, they're not only playing football, they're not only playing basketball, they are lifting, they're doing their conditioning, they're doing their recovery, they're doing all of those things to make them better at their sport. Um, when I have someone that comes and that's actually true for any sport too. One of the things actually I posted about re- recently was specialization that's occurring, especially in youth sports. So you'll see, you know, young kid only plays baseball and then they already have elbow pain at the age of 15. And it's like, well, because you're only playing baseball, you're playing baseball year round, you're using the same muscles in the same way. 
you're not getting the cross training. And when you look at professional athletes, in theory, that's where you want to hopefully end up. You find that most of them play two sports in college, let alone in high school. So um, that crossover effect's huge. When you talk about runners specifically, I do find that's a big struggle because that's what they say. Like, I love running. That's what I do. Or let's say they're now they're getting ready to train for a marathon. They're like, well, I don't have time. I'll, you know, I have to run so many miles a day and then I have my rest days and uh, this, that, and the other. And what I try to end up do, what I try to do is do a couple of tests for them in the clinic and say, okay, well, here's an example as to why you need to do some of these other things. Because um, I have for pretty much any person, let alone athlete, it doesn't matter if you're just trying to you know, stay in shape or if you're trying to do a sport. I always start with flexibility and mobility stability and then that strength and a lot of the times it's much easier also that path to kind of connect it in people's minds because they can see okay well you're saying i need my hip to be able to get into this range so i can get a good hip extension well if you can't be stable and neutral then how are you possibly going to get into five degrees of hip extension and then how are you possibly going to be strong in that five degrees of hip extension you know with, with all those things you need during that run and so, you know, I'll do single leg squat tests. Um, that really shows it. And that's inherently a lot of times stability and strength. Um, I'll do a couple of things that come from more of the Institute of Physical Art Thought Process, IPA, where it's all about core activation. Um, they're like basically push-pull tests that see where your force is being distributed. Um, for example, you'll end up in a staggered stance, like you just took a step, you push in the shoulder. And what you'll find a lot of times is people will lean back and veer when you push. And it's like, well, every single time you take a step with that foot forward, you, you're probably doing a little bit of this. And then it's like, well, why is my little left back hurt? Well, look, well, you're doing this every single time you step. So really, I do those obviously pre-tests because it shows me where I want to go with it. But also it gets like in a lot of buy-in from those people who are a little hard-headed and saying, this is right. all I do. All right. I do. right. Oh, that's cool. That's, uh, I haven't heard of that. Uh, it's ICA? IPA. IPA. Um, yeah. I'll have to look that up, get that info from you a little bit. And, uh, but that, yeah, I like, cause it's a functional test too. And, and you're like you said, it just shows exactly where your weaknesses are and um, helps with that. Um, so uh, you, you, you talked about, you know, flexibility, mobility, stability, and then get into strength routine. Those are, um, so what I preach is that, uh, you know, different components of fitness, things that I believe mobility, and I kind of put flexibility and mobility on the same. Yeah, they're in the same bubble. Yeah, um, and strength, and then uh, cardiovascular fitness, um, and have, uh, nutrition plays a big part in fitness. Uh, rest and recovery, and mindset, you know, um, and uh, and what you believe. And so that's kind of what my focus. I mean, I know there's. So tell me your definition of fitness. Like those. That's kind of my my main focus when I talk about fitness because I think. You know, we talk fitness and people just think, oh, I got to look good or I got to, you know, I got to be able to, I mean, as I'm aging, I'm like, I need, I want to be able to go up the stairs and I, I you know, there's one point I was short of breath and I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm like, so to me being fit is, you know, being able to do things like climb the stairs and reach into a cabinet and be able to go for a run, you know, even if it's not like a PR or right. a slow run, but um, so how do you define fitness in general? So I would say I define fitness as being able to complete what you know you need to do or potentially need to do on a daily basis consistently without risk of, you know, causing undue harm to yourself. So that then changes, if you use that definition, everyone's fitness is different. And that's true. 
Yeah. Um, if you're a 75 year old person that mainly you want to just be able to walk around your block, then what you're going to have to do is going to be a little different. And that even when you look at, you know, obviously as a, as a physical therapist, I'm not going to, I can't give like full nutritional advice, but you know, there's the, the main constituents you can do. If at the end of the day, it's a math problem, right? Calories in calories out. That's what you need to be. And then if what your goal is to, I just want to walk, that's fine. There's no problem with that, but potentially you need to look at what you're putting into your body to a fuel yourself, to be able to do that walk, to be able to have the muscle growth, to be able to support those structures. Cause obviously as you get older, that tends to reduce as well. But then on top of that, if you are now in taking excessive calories that aren't balanced out with just a 20 minute walk in the day, well, now you're going to be putting excessive weight on, which then puts excess force on the joints and, you know, obviously, you're well, you know, all about all that um, as that snowball effect that goes on. So that is something you have to take into account versus someone whose definition of fitness is, okay, I'm going to go out and I have two a day practices for the next two weeks. And so now your caloric intake is substantially higher. You can usually get away with having not as great of food because of that, but that doesn't really matter. You should still be eating the proper things and, and that build up uh, from that perspective. But, you know, then like you're saying, like, your the cardiovascular effect part comes into that as well. Even though you are maybe a power person, maybe you do shot put, that doesn't mean you don't need a high cardiovascular part of your uh, what you're doing in your fitness program. It's just not going to be, you're not going to go run for, you know, 10 miles. I never really understood that for me as a wrestler. I was, you know, at times they're having me do sprints and then be like, okay, well now let's do a buddy carry where you're carrying your friend through a mile and a half out and a mile and a half back that never clicked for me. And then as I got more into this, it's like, well, that makes sense. I don't need that. I have to be able to do two minutes, high intensity, take a break and repeat that three times. So why not train me in that realm of thought process? It was more of, you know, looking back, it's more of a, that was a mental strength thing. Like, can you go and run three miles with somebody on your back, uh, which is still important. So as long as if you're someone creating programs for someone and it, and it makes sense, there's a reason you're doing it. And of course, you, I grew up in a, time period where sports was much more, you know, do what I tell you and you're weak and get stronger kind of a thing. So we've shifted away from that luckily a little bit, but um, yeah, everyone's fitness is different. And that's one of the biggest issues I find is that even in the clinic, I'll be doing an exercise with someone and then a new, an ex patient will come in and be like, well, why am I not doing that exercise? And it's like, well, because you don't need to do that. You're a gymnast. That person is a football player. Like you don't need to push the sled today. Like if you want to do it for fun later, we can, but that's just not necessarily what your definition of fitness is. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I think there's, you know, there's definitely different, uh, programs in and I tend to get stuck. Like I, I, I always come back to strength. Um, you know, well, I'll say this. I always come back to strength because, I think if you don't have the strength to do something, and I think that's a piece that everybody's like, oh, I don't need to do strength things. I don't need to, you know, and I think basic strength patterns, like, the, you know, squat, a knee dominant, hip dominant, push and pull and a core exercise, like everybody needs to do, whether you're seven or 75, the intensity of it and the type of exercises may differ. And, you know, uh, you know I, I used to think, you, no, no, everybody should be at the gym and, you know, on the squat rack and doing whatever. And I don't, I, that my mindset has changed on that. Um, and the frequency of that, I think has changed, but I do think it's important, like for runners to strengthen their legs for, cause the, I think 
especially as women and as we get older, like, you know, we lose a lot of strength or men and women as we get older, like, you know, you, you lose strength. And so even if you're just maintaining and strength training doesn't have to be carrying somebody on your back, you know, uh, you know, but um, you know, building repetition and getting some resistance and challenging your muscles. So the flip side over the last couple of years, uh, well, last year, so I had kind of gotten away from doing cardio myself, straight up cardio, like, you know, sitting on the stationary bike or walking on the treadmill for whatever and trying to get my heart rate, whatever, just cause I was like, I, I can be more efficient doing my strength workout and do some finishers at the end. And that's going to give me a better fat burn. And, um, and then when I decided I wanted to go for a ride for bike ride for fun and I had chest pain, I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. Now I need to, I need to pay attention to it and actually incorporate more. And so one, I think is important as we age to incorporate different types. I, I think there's different types in, uh, you know, like what you were doing in your wrestling was you were training really for your sport, like, because you, you are having to pick people up in wrestling and carry, you know, not carry them, but, you know, um, and you need the, the short term, short burst endurance. Um, but maybe in there doing some sort of low intensity stuff could be a recovery for you at that point. Now, right. you know, so I think, Challenging your heart, just like you challenge your muscles, getting some high intensity, some low intensity is important longer term. And same thing on mobility wise. Like I, I, I used to like going to yoga and I still like yoga. I just don't find the time to go. But I think uh, general, you don't necessarily have to sit and do like a yoga practice, but you need to incorporate some mobility work uh, as a, especially in a warm up. And I think people skip that a lot, but um, like through the, just through the day, because I think, you know, we sit through our day now as adults, um, even kids, everybody's sitting. And so everything, you know, so just trying to incorporate something, some sort of mobility that's not necessarily pulling on the muscles or cranking on the joints or, you know, it doesn't have to be real specific, but that's, so my mindset has changed a little bit, like over the years that like, it's, I think it's, and that's because of my own body. Like I know I've gotten more stiff and I, you know, don't move as well. And so now I can't go squat like I want to because my ankles are stiff. And um, so I think it, you know, beyond just the lifting and just that 75 year old who wants to take a walk, you got to keep your glutes strong. You got to keep your ankles mobile. You got to keep your, your core strong so that you can go and do whatever amount of walk. And that, and that intensity may vary. Um, but I think it's still important to do some of that along with that. So and I think we yeah. lose that, you know. Um, and as it's, uh, and I think that's part of why I wanted to do this podcast because I, uh, it's my hope is to remind people like there's different type, like you have to, you don't have to do everything every day, but you have to do something every day and you have to create some sort of practice that, that helps to incorporate all of the different components in there. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the human body is very efficient. You can say it's going to get the job done in the easiest way. It feels like it can get it done. So if, as you were saying, if you spend most of your day, you wake up, you get ready, you hop in your car, you drive two hours into work, you go and you sit and work for eight hours, you drive home, you were just most likely, let's say you have a sitting job in a cubicle or something like that. You, your body now is like, okay, well, your shoulders are in this forward roll position, right? Your hips are flexed. So now your hip flexors are shorter. That's the position I think you want me to be in. And in addition to that, when it comes to that, now the strength component, you're sitting around all day 
it thinks, oh, I don't need this muscle mass. I don't need this strength in the legs because you're not using me on a consistent basis. Because again, we are we come from cave people where that energy and those the basic building blocks of bone and muscle, those were hard to come by. So you need to be efficient with those. And so if you do all those things and now it's, let's say seven o'clock at night, you're like, all right, now I'm going to go put up 300 on my squat rack. And it's like, wait, well, your body's like, what's how, like, how do you want me to do this? You, you just spent all this time in this short position. I wasn't being used properly. All my core is probably turned off because you're sitting funky. Your neck is, you know, the shoulder stabilizers, all that stuff. So, you know, like, like, like you were saying, a, you need to do that consistently. It's not just a one-time thing. You need to be fixing those things. But now when you're going to now say, okay, I'm going to go lift, I'm going to go run, I'm going to go bike. You need to do some of those things beforehand to remind your body, oh, wait, this is where you want me to be. This is how you want me to work so that you're not setting yourself up for failure. And now, you know, a month, two months into your new running routine, you get this crazy low back pain. You're like, well, why? Yeah. Um. And so, um, how, how much, I was just thinking like, uh, the specific people that I've seen, a number of people I've seen, but you know, they, they sit and they drive, whatever. And then they, they don't, you know, they get home and kids and so life happens and it's not really a regular exercise routine, but they do go and play some pickup basketball on occasion. And, um, and like you said, like potentially maybe you know, so, okay, I'm getting my cardiovascular in, this is great, and I'm getting some work in, and I'm, work, you know, moving my legs, but, like, they do a quick little warm-up, and then, boom, knee injury, ankle injury, Achilles, whatever, um, right. and uh, I, so, one, in getting back and helping to rehab them, you know, try to encourage that regular routine, um, do you do a lot of, uh, I know, like, probably with your youth kids uh, I would imagine you do but power and like plyometric um work and um in in an adult population do you do that because I tend to not because I'm like ah, oh, we don't really need that but no but sometimes I think maybe we do <laughs> yeah so I would say it really depends on again what they want to do but even then potentially preparing someone for what could happen um the example I was always given was you have a football player that tore their ACL and you have a father, stay-at-home father who tore his ACL. Either way, they're going to at some point in their life probably have to do something plyometric in nature because maybe that guy who the stay-at-home father that tore it was literally just walking to get mail and then had to, you know, jump out of the way of a car that kind of pulled up too quick. And that's where he tore it. Um, that's just as likely as, you know, maybe, or like maybe not as, not as much because of the frequency, but as the, <laughs> the female basketball player that does it. So I still incorporate it, but maybe just not into as big of amounts, you know? Um, so if I have, if, if I have that guy, I'll have him maybe do some depth spots off a, off a bio box or something just to get the feeling of it, like the bending of the knee, the hip flexion, what it feels like to have a core on. Can he control his knee so that it's actually, you know, not falling into that knee buckle bend in position. And then a little bit of single leg stuff too, just because that's again, where you need to be, but not to the same extent as that female basketball player, you know, maybe like say they're in high school whose head does it all the time every day. And now for hers, I'm probably going to look at it a lot more closely in terms of, okay, well, when did you, when did yours happen or when's it likely? So is it because you didn't warm up properly happened very early in your day or in your game, or did it happen at the very end fourth quarter? And most likely that's more of a fatigue issue, right? So now I know that when I'm getting you ready, I need to 
have you do basketball drills, put you on the treadmill, put you on the bike, maybe some blow up restriction stuff, something like that to fatigue you to what you would might feel like in the fourth quarter. Now we're going to do our plyometric work because that's when all of a sudden all those, you know, the kinetic chain is going to break down because the core is tired. So you get shift to the left and then the hips tired. So it drops and now all of a sudden the knees collapsing. Um, those days are the ones where your patients hate me the most. And it's <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, those are the ones that ultimately will help reduce the chances of you hurting yourself. That's a good point. I didn't, uh, I, I don't, I never thought of that really. Cause mostly if I do programming, I will try and do, you know, mobility and warm up and then get into like agility and plyometrics and then get into like, I, I tend to use like a whole bot, you know, like I said, push, pull legs. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of circuit that, um, and try to get that because I don't want to fatigue them at the beginning, but you're right. Like in training for sport or, you know, if they're maybe even same on a marathon or like versus a, uh, you know, a 5k, like maybe the timing of that has to happen at a different point. So that's a good, um, good thing for me to think about. Like, um, so the, the current of, you know, the, with the coronavirus and everything right now, um, people are, you know, gyms here in Massachusetts are, most are starting to do outside activities, I think right now. Um, and then, but then I think the end of the month, maybe the beginning of the next month, they start to, they can open up in limited capacities. So a lot of people have been working out at home and I know for myself, yeah. like I, I, I had left my gym anyways, and I was looking for a new gym, but now I'm going to just stay at home and work because I've gotten into a routine and it works for me. Um, and so I think a lot of people are, are possibly thinking that. Do you find, can people do good strength? Like I'm lucky enough, my husband bought a squat rack and I have a bunch of kettlebells and we have a space to do it. But um, do you think people can do a good workout at home to do training beyond going for the run, you know, like in, so beyond cardiovascular, we'll say. Oh yeah, absolutely. I absolutely think so. The biggest limiting factor I would say is twofold. Uh, one's a mental component. And I know this is something that I had a trouble with before where I currently live, where I have a second bedroom and that's literally my workout room slash office, I guess. Um, it's kind of the same thing when people were getting used to when coronavirus first hit and they were working at home where you don't have that transition, where you're not transitioning from I'm at home to now I'm at work. So now I'm in work mode. The same thing can happen when you're at home for a workout where it's very easy to hit pause or not even start your workout because, you know, you're, let's say you're working out in your living room and you're mentally, your living room is your relaxed after work area or something like that. So you're like, man, I could really just hit pause and sit on my couch and catch up on this TV show before I, you know, let's say you're going off work or something. So creating, having that mental strength and creating an area that is, your workout area is always, I feel really important. If you don't have the space for that, creating some type of routine that is now saying, this is my workout time. So whether it's, you know, you always, before you work out, you do this kind of like mental exercise. You watch this. I mean, when I had the problem with the smaller apartment, I would watch these Derek Rose, you know, basketball <laughs> highlights the, the 10 minutes leading up to it. Cause I just got excited. And I would take my pre-workout and that was my routine. So I knew I'm in it. This is my workout time. It doesn't matter that my bed's sitting right over there and I can right. play back. Um, so that's one of the biggest parts. I would say one of the parts. The other yeah. part that's the biggest limiting factor is obviously is combination of both lack of equipment and then lack of just knowing, okay, well, what can I do? Obviously, the, the knowledge of what it can be. The 
there are some very easy things you can do, I feel like, that you need to put a little bit of money in versus a lot. For example, I went and bought these Bowflex dumbbells that are adjustable. So they range from five to 52.5 pounds. Um, is it the same weight that I would use in theory to go and do a squat or a bench press at the gym? No, I mean, I'm putting up, you know, 250 pounds for my bench and I'm doing 300 for my squat. However, I can now adjust that to be because I'm holding two independent dumbbells, depending on where I rack them, that's going to put different stress into the shoulder. And then depending on the speed I do them, I can do, you know, lower the or decrease the eccentric phase that I'm doing it. Maybe I'm doing a long holds at the bottom, pause sets. All of those things can, in, it's all a math problem because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're trying to equal a certain number of pounds essentially moved over the course of that set. And you can create that based on changing the speeds, changing the, changing the pauses, all of those things with even just the lighter weights. Or now if you're going to add in some of that plyometric component, perhaps you're using a very lightweight dumbbell and you're doing, instead of just a traditional squat, you're doing a drop squat in a plyometric manner, or you're doing a jump squat, or you're doing a moving squat. All of those things are going to increase that load, even though it's technically a small load. And that's the key thing on, uh, you know, building. So one thing I try to remind, because women are traditionally, I think it's changing. And I'm, I'm so excited. I think on, across the board, most women are realizing, okay, I, I need to do strength training. And there's a lot of women that are, uh, lifting heavier weights now and, and realizing that's an important thing and it's okay that we're not going to look like uh, Thor, you know, or whatever. Um, but that, you know, it, we, it, that it's important to do that. But I also think there's a big mindset still like I can't lift heavy weights. I've, you know, I, yes, I've done heavy and I've lifted my pink one pound weights. And you know, I'm like, so uh, I think, you know, one, I love the the adjustable weight. Um, we we haven't we don't have any, um, but I think that's a great idea because you can start off and then know when you're ready. When it's easier for you, you can progress it. Um, but two, it, it it reminds you like you can like with the two weights you can do one. You, know, you can change the balance end of it and change the pull. Mostly, what I liked is that you know you don't even need to necessarily have the weight if you slow things down or speed things up or you know, change the dynamic of how you're doing it and just change it a little bit will change the, the important thing on strength training and preventing osteoporosis and getting the pull on your bones is getting that load on the bones. Um, and you just described some awesome ways to, to, you know, change the load without necessarily having to have heavy weights. Um, then the key thing there is getting that stress on your body to challenge your muscles and keep them growing or, you know, and in, because I do think there's a point, like we don't necessarily keep gaining strength, but that gaining strength may be a matter of like, if we don't do the work, we're losing strength. So we need to do the work to at least maintain strength. Um, and so yeah, I think that was that, that um, good reminder to, you know, change it up. Yeah. If I ever have a female that comes in and I talk, talk to her, okay, we're going to start to, you know, increase the weights here. We're going to do like all this stuff. And they have the response that you're alluding to that, you know what, I don't want to get huge or anything. I'm like, okay, if it was as simple as that, it's just like doing a strength training protocol, any, you know, high school, college guy would just be ripped because that's what most of their goals are. Right. And mostly, and you see that and they're in the gym and you're not seeing a bunch of, like you're saying, Thor's walking around right. because a, some, most people can't really look like that. Um, one of the examples I like to use is uh, the actor Michael B. Jordan. Like he got huge for the movie Black Panther. And then you look at the movie he just did recently, Just Mercy, that I watched. 
he he's still a strong looking guy but he's not like superhero strong he looks like a normal guy but that's because he did some crazy intense workouts and dieting to get to look like that and then he just worked out like a normal person and is still strong and in good shape but he's again not superhero strong same thing if you're a female you're not going to all of a sudden look like a bodybuilder just because you go from a one to a ten right and yeah that's a good point. How was that movie? I, that's on my list to see. Is it? Just Percy is super yeah. good. Yeah. Um, my my wife can never sit through movies. She tends to fall asleep, <laughs> and she was able to stay awake for the whole thing, which shows how good of a movie it was. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, I want to touch a little bit on uh, mobility and stability that we talked about in the beginning, and um, well, so flexibility. Talk a little flexibility versus mobility in your mm-hmm. mind, and then also. Uh, stability versus strength because I think there's some different yeah yeah so I would say flexibility is the ability for the muscle or joint for that matter to get to a certain range to get to a certain range so your hamstring how long can it get right can you keep your knee straight and bend down and touch your toes that's your flexibility your mobility I would say is your ability to move through that range in a smooth controlled way um so because a lot of times what you'll find is, for example, let's just say the shoulder that, you know, it's one of the most mobile joints in the body and every once in a while you'll be moving the shoulder and you might find that there's just this one part of your range that you just get kind of like almost itchy at. it catches, but you can get through it and you can get further. It just got caught there. So I would say that that would be more of a mobility issue versus, like I said, bending down, being able to touch your toes. That's a flexibility issue. When it comes to stability and strength, um, stability, the strength is just ability to gener- purely generate force in, in a cer- any certain time uh, versus I would say stability is the ability for your body to hold yourself or control that movement again through that range. So even within stability, you need to break it down into more of a dynamic versus a static. And I will always start with the static stability, you know, just can you keep your pelvis in a certain area? Um, Thinking like, for example, if you do a, uh, if you're laying on your back and you just bring one knee towards your chest, your pelvis should only, shouldn't move really before you get to 90 degrees of hip flexion. So what you'll see a lot of times though, is that the leg starts to move, the femur, and then all of a sudden the hip just rolls. And I would say that that's a poor stability of that pelvis. Now, eventually, once you get you know more above that 90 degrees, Yes, you need the pelvis to move, but again, you need it to move in a smooth, controlled way so that it's not just dumping on you. Um, and so now all of a sudden, that's when you do the static versus just now all of a sudden, if you were to you know put a weight on the foot and you were bringing that knee up, just the how much weight you can move is more the strength component. And then, of course, you still have to deploy break strength into more you know dynamic, static-ish as well, because then it's... Okay, so are you so if you're doing let's say a lateral, you just t- take a step to the side and you do a single leg squat. So do you have the strength to be able to sink into that squat and have your glutes and hamstring and, and quad support the leg? But do you have the knee stability to not let the knee dip inwards as you come down into that squat? So that's usually the example I give for those two. Yeah, I think, uh, I, and I think you need to have all of that to be able to move efficiently. Like you need to be able to move through your full range of motion with control and be able to take the load, you know, as you take it, even just with walking, as you take a step. 
you know, and so, yeah, I think that that is great definition. In so, general, it's so ahead. much easier. I was just saying, in general, it's so much easier to get someone, I feel like, to buy into strength training in general, um, because it can be very rewarding in terms of, especially the very beginning, right? The first four weeks, really, when you see those strength gains, you go to the gym for the first time, that's just neuromuscular plasticity changes. That's not even true strength gain, yeah. but it's, it's very rewarding. Like, great, I went from a five pound weight to a 10 pound weight to a 20 pound weight. In terms of stability, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's annoying because you're doing, again, like something as simple as laying on your back. Can I keep my hip in its place as I just lift my leg? Why can't I do that? <laughs> Why can't I just lift my leg and keep this here? Right. And those gains, because that's not really strength at all, that's purely more or less neuromuscular with a little bit of strength, obviously, uh, as you add, add into it down the road. But those definitely take a little while longer. And I always mess this quote up, but I believe there is a study done. And to get perfect at something, you have to do it 100,000 times perfectly in order for it to actually integrate into your system. Yeah. So if you're someone that takes your exercise and you do it twice, you only do your stability exercise twice a week and you do, ten, do it 10 times, that's going to take you a long time to get to 100,000 reps. Right. Yeah, that's a motor control in the, uh, how your brain learns like that rep over repetition. And um, I, I, I think also, um, flexibility people you know like oh you know I'm, I'm not flexible and I can't touch my toes and it I think a lot of people tend to think like just crank on the hamstrings do a hamstring stretch hamstring stretch hamstring stretch and oh now I'm going to touch my toes like and I think more goes into that like you like you said the, the neuroplasticity but like the and the motor learning to get there but also um, having the hip mobility having core stability to be able to let you bend over and touch your toes like um, there's a lot more that goes into just flexibility and it, and yeah. having the, and that kind of lumps everything together a little bit in the mobility and stability and flexibility, but it, but you need to have all that and take your body through those ranges to be able to, you know, get to touch your toes or, or yeah. whatever it might be. But that's a classic one. I think that people, you know. A good example of that is uh, I used to do a lot more of the uh, beach body, like insanity workouts, just because again, I didn't have equipment. I was like, let me, this is easy. This is intense. Let me do it. When you look at what their the warmups are during the exercise, um, it's very much just a dynamic warmup where it's like, okay, we're doing high knees. We're doing these kicks. You're doing maybe, you know, something like that. And they, then they consider, okay, now we're going to do with the stretch part, which ramps it down, but it's a very, again, even a dynamic stretch to it where you're bouncing in and out of stuff, which is still fine. However, you know, studies have shown that to get true muscle length added to it, to add sarcomeres, you need to have sustained holds of at least a minute. So if you're not going to sit in that forward bend in that hamstring position for a minute and have that kind of uncomfortable but not painful, you know, stretch feel, you're not actually getting longer. When you're doing those dynamic bouncing in and out of kind of movements, you know, roll down, roll back up, you're creating, you're generating heat which is creating flexibility within the muscle at that time period. And then unless you, again, teach your body to stay in that position, it's going to probably want to revert back to where it was once you cool down, because again, it's efficient. It's saying, well, you needed me for a second. We heated up. I don't really need you long. Do you need me long-term here? Okay. Well, probably not. Let's go back. So the, that's when you get to the question of when do you stretch? Do you stretch before? Do you stretch after? Um, and that's a big debate I, I, with a lot of circles. Yeah, because uh, I haven't read anything recently, but, uh, you know, there was something out there uh, a while ago. And I think it may be that, like, 
if you stretch before you lift, you're going to not have the same power or same strength, you know, and so static stretching kind of went out the door for a long time. Um, and, but I think, uh, that what I, and I, and I might be wrong on this, but, um, is that, you know, if you get a stretch, like it lasts for about 30 seconds after, so you can do a static stretch before, but then you need to go and do your, uh, more mobility, like you, so you're doing your flexibility stuff first and then your mobility stuff and you're like kind of incorporating that so that by the time you get to your strength and your power, you haven't lost the, um, whatever was inhibiting the stretch was inhibiting to, you know, to, to decrease the power. So there was, they were talking about it mostly like in sports and not necessarily in lifting, but, um, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I've heard that too, um, and I and I that makes sense to me. Whenever I describe it to people, why they need to do some of the stability stuff after, I, it's always like a like a rubber band. So if you look at a rubber band, it's a certain thickness, and you you pull it out and stretch it, and it gets thinner. Now all of a sudden, your body's kind of like, well, again, what do I do with this new length? I'm not strong here because you haven't trained in that position. So that's why you do some of the stability, and then also if you're not about to do competition, the strength component there, so that you can add to that. Um, and then when it comes to an actual competition, like, what do you necessarily need to stretch to a range that you haven't been training in for the last insert weeks, months here? Probably not. I, I would argue. I mean, you know, if you can only do spread your legs to a certain length and that's what you've trained at, that's what you should operate at. You don't want to all of a sudden add 10 degrees either way, because now like you're, you're probably going to be asking for pain. So, right. Yeah. Right. Very good stuff. Cool. I could actually sit and talk on this all day. Um, and, and, uh, and you do very, like, I, I, I like how you can incorporate uh, research and make it like real um, and not, cause sometimes I read it and I'm like, well, nobody's going to understand this, but you actually break it down and make it like understandable. So Thank you. Um, that's a, it's cool. Um, so can you give us maybe what would be your one fitness, uh, one uh, exercise takeaway that is relatively easy to describe because you know every exercise I'm gonna this is not necessarily meant for medical advice and maybe and it can maybe it can help you and maybe it's not for you and that's okay you know but maybe it's something that somebody could try at home just to um, improve any aspect of fitness absolutely so uh, I, something that I actually really do believe in and I do myself and I need to do more of even and I give this to almost every person doesn't matter what they're coming in for um, movement really starts at the core right that's the kind of the, that tends to be where it generates and if it may not generate from there in that moment it at least transfers through there so every movement should start with this we when we look at core activation and abdominal stuff you know we people know about the crunches people know about planks and that, there's a whole conversation about planks and side planks i could have and i could do that for probably 30 minutes <laughs> um, but you know we they do all those but one of the ones that gets ignored the most and i usually start with people literally day one and i have to continue working on and as you progress and change positions is transverse abdominus activation, which is a, your corset muscle, you know, it starts at the back, wraps around to the front, kind of pulls you together. And even more than transverse abdominus activation, specifically upper transverse abdominus activation. So that was, those are the ones, that's the, the fibers that are going to attach to your the lowest rib. What you'll find most of the time is due to our postures and everything like that, we sit in a kind of a chest forward rib flared position. So one exercise that isn't even that isn't that difficult and you can do in a lot of different positions is simply trying to let those ribs soften and sit down onto your belly. After you do that, one of the ones I really like to do is laying on your back, taking like a broom or something, 
uh, above you, like you're you know, about to do a, at, at the end of a bench press, mm -hmm. you have that rib pulled down and you keep it pulled down as you let your arms float overhead. And then from there, what you'll find is you're gonna wanna lift those ribs up and away off the floor. So then I'll tell people, okay, for now, only go up to the point where you feel like your ribs are about to lift, lift up and away. And then eventually try to go a little further, a little further. You should be able to get as far as you can into it. Eventually now, maybe it's a shoulder mobility issue or something else that we have to talk about down the road. But at a bare minimum, keep those ribs pulled down and tucked. And that's what's gonna help to just help a lot with that core activation in various positions. I think that's relatively easy to picture. Yeah, that, no, that was a good, good description. Um, I'll add in, try to do an exhale as you raise your arms overhead, because that will help get that transverse abdominus to contract a little bit more and pull the ribs down and in. Um, plus, you don't want to hold your breath as you do on these, and with any exercise, it's, a, it's an important. Well, now all of a sudden, you also talk about when you add in the breathing, where you're breathing into. And a lot of people who have that kind of rib flare position, they use accessory muscles right into the yep. shoulders. So if you're going to take that big breath in, you want to fill right fill the belly and fill the space even at the low back area so that you're expanding throughout that whole range you don't want to feel like you're breathing and shrugging yeah because uh, now all of a sudden you're feeding and you're probably going to end up realizing oh i'm back flared again with that right so key takeaway for me on that and what i hope people that are listening uh with with that core activation exercise core it's a core stability exercise strengthen your mm -hmm. core however you want to call it um, uh, Listen to what you're doing. Pay attention to what your position is, making sure you're keeping the, the, the ribs down towards your belly um, and uh, tuning into what you feel. And I think that, you know, so often we don't pay attention to what we're feeling as we're doing any kind of exercise and we just kind of pile through it to try and get through it. But if you slow it down and then gradually you can build speed maybe with it, but like, you know, start with it slow and just really pay attention to what you're feeling and how you're doing it. You'll make a month, you'll, you'll feel a bigger impact and get better control with that. And uh, so, um, Mason, this is awesome. And uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll get back on and we'll talk about those planks um, because <laughs> I, I, sometimes I incorporate them in my own workout. Sometimes lately I haven't given them to patients because I'm like, they're too hard for you. You can't do them. Um, but so, so it's in the future. Let's uh, get together and Maybe talk about those. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for being, uh, coming on here today with me. And uh, uh, I love talking strength and conditioning with you. Um, so I know I've been watching you on Instagram uh, throughout the last and, and love the exercise that you're, that you're um, doing. Uh, let's tell people where they can reach you and um, if they have yeah, any absolutely. more questions. Yeah. So uh, you can, my handle is, D Dr. Mason, so doc, dot Mason West underscore sports BT. Cool. Um, so check him out. Uh, he's got lots of exercises and, and demonstrations there. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day and uh, don't hang up yet, but <laughs> we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Move Better at Home podcast. If you're having difficulty managing your health and fitness at home and want to learn more, then follow the link below to download my free guide to health and fitness and take the first step in helping you to achieve your health and fitness goals at home. Have a great day.